This episode of the Guitar Speak podcast is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is a brilliant professional guitarist and was also the head of guitar at the legendary Guitar Institute of Technology in LA and the McNally Smith College of Music. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. You're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player. Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia. I've been running since 2016 and I speak to guitar players from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 187. Now today I speak with Ed Lim. Ed is the guitar product manager at Roland and Boss Australia and also into Asia. Now, Ed's an excellent guitarist. You really need to check out his videos. And he's a brilliant boss mind. He's written some excellent articles as well, such as uh, the Boss Metal Zone, You Are Using It Wrong article, which is excellent. And a really great how-to guide for the Boss MS3. Super in-depth, and as an MS3 user myself, I totally appreciated that one. In fact, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you'll know I am a huge Boss fan. My very first ever guitar pedal was a Boss DS1, the orange distortion that I got way back in 1986. So I always love to talk Boss on the Guitar Speak podcast. And it was super cool to have Ed on the show. We spoke about a bunch of stuff, including some of the new product releases we have seen in 2021. I try and find out a little bit about what the future might hold. Uh, We talk about some of the great artists and promoters that Ed works with. And I started the conversation by asking about Ed's role and some of the many hats he wears over there at Roland and Boss. Well, (laughs) I have several jobs here. Yeah. So, so let's start with, with the main one. So my main role that I was hired for is guitar product manager for Australia. Okay, awesome. Um, so, so that means that I take care of pretty much everything to do with the guitar side of the business, which is, you know, all the boss products. Um, I do a bit of everything from marketing, social media, um, you know, events when we could have events. Melbourne Guitar Show was my, you know, the highlight of the year in many ways because okay. yep. we got to to you know do do a bit of a show and uh, engage with all the uh, community um yeah so the, there's that part of it and then i um i'm also head of product management at roland australia which means uh, all the other guys who do you know i i take care of guitar we've got guys who do piano synth and drums so i manage that that side of things as well yeah cool Awesome. Uh, and and that's number two. And then number three yeah. <laughs> is uh, so I'm guitar product manager for for the Asian region as well. Okay. So I help out with the other countries, you know, doing what I do here, but helping them do it as well. Okay. So what what sort of regions of Asia does that cover? 
Uh, basically everywhere that's not Japan, because you know we're a Japanese company, yes. so Japan is its own is its own region unto itself. Yep. Uh, but but everywhere else uh, in Asia and you know Asia Pacific essentially, so Australia, New Zealand included in that as well. Okay, cool, awesome. Yeah, so China, India. Yep. Uh, you know, Malaysia, Taiwan, Indonesia, everywhere. Really. That's huge. That's and I guess compared to Australia, that's such a populous region. Like we've, you know, it's obvious we've got so much land mass in Australia, but our population is so small. So I guess that would be the bulk. Yeah, of it, it, it's it's really funny actually because you're absolutely right. Like in terms of population, Australia is much smaller than most of our other, you know, what we call sales units. But but traditionally, I think. Role in Australia have really kind of, you know, same as Australia and New Zealand as countries in the world have kind of done a bit better than, you know, you might expect for, for the size of the country. So that's, that's always been our history and that's really cool. What was your background going into these roles? Like, did you have, I don't know, any like business background or study or I get everyone, I, if people don't know yet too, by the way, Ed, people need to know you are, are a ripping guitarist. So you're not to some corporate dude crunching numbers. Um, I've been digging your videos, which we'll talk a little bit more about too when we get to oh, thank you. talking gear, I guess. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm okay. <laughs> You're way okay. I, I'm okay. <laughs> I, think, I think the funny thing is, you know, like this isn't me being overly kind of humble or anything, but like coming to work at Royal Australia has made me acutely aware of how good everyone else is. Like, right. <laughs> you know, our managing director is like a fantastic jazz piano player. Wow. Awesome. And, you know, half the guys in our warehouse are better better guitarists than I am, yeah, I right. think. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a funny story, actually, and kind of a, a weird one because my background before coming to work for Roland and Boss is actually in engineering. Okay. Um. But, you know, when I say that, everyone kind of goes, ah, you know, sound engineering, because that's, that's you know, our industry. But, but I was actually a mechanical engineer for about a decade before okay. coming to work here. Wow, cool. Yeah, so I, I, used, to, I used to work in the aircraft industry. I, I worked on um, the aviation interiors for a long time. But, but you know, in, in the background, I was always a musician, you know, played in bands and really liked uh, I, I used to run a website uh, i wrote uh, guitar reviews and stuff like that so that's kind of where i have slowly led towards this career i guess okay cool and, and a bit of youtube as well as you've seen yep. not not anywhere near as big as you know some of the guys that we'll talk about today but but a little bit of fun yeah oh definitely yeah oh that's cool man <laughs> it's cool to hear too um you know a really large company like roland um you know you're still saying a lot of the guys you work with are really passionate musicians as well. So behind the the business of things, of course, is yeah, really passionate players. That's cool. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think you know the the vast majority of people that I work with are all very passionate and very competent musicians, which is really cool, but also quite intimidating at times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Hey, tell me about some of the artists that you might work with. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So in terms of artists, I guess, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting question because the people that we work with, I think has changed quite a bit in the last little while, because in this day and age, YouTubers are kind of the rock stars of today, right? Like that's, 
Yeah. They are the, 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 the people who have such a far-reaching influence uh, to, to guitar players everywhere. Rather than, um, you know, in the, in the old days you had these big cultural movements, like, you know, everyone still knows Slash, but these days they're not, there isn't quite any specific guitar hero that is a complete household name that, that's come out of the last you know, 10 years for me, sure. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so a, lot, a bunch of the people that we work with are, are YouTube uh, influencers or reviewers or artists, I guess. Uh, we talked about Gabor and Alex from the. I'm going to try and say this because I can oh, never I say it. Probably. I know. <laughs> I know the, the fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. I think I got that right. I think you did. I'm not 100. Um, it's been really cool yeah. to kind of you know try and help support their channel and see them growing. I think they just hit 20,000 yeah. subscribers yeah. recently, which is really cool for again for you know Australia and New Zealand being very small countries in the scheme, the grand scheme of things. Yep. That's that's great. Yeah, cool. Um, I, I work a lot with Brett Kingman as well. Oh, uh, awesome. Brett being you know like the original YouTube guy he is, for yeah. Guitar Geek, which is really great. Um. And uh, I, I do a bunch with Leon Todd as well. I'm not sure if you've seen his stuff. A little bit, yeah. Tell me about him. Yeah, so Leon, Leon's a, a, a fantastic guitar player and just great at uh, great at sort of breaking down really difficult things and making them seem really understandable and really musical. So he's based in Perth, and and again, you know, his channel has just skyrocketed in the last couple of years all full credit to him it's been really cool yeah it's been really interesting to see the shift from like even when there's a new product launch obviously there's a whole lot of behind the scenes work that happens then on a launch date brett kingman's yeah. got the new boss pedal or gabor's got or whoever right. it's it's fascinating i was talking brett brett was one of the first guys on this show actually it was really interesting to see how um yeah right how that model has shifted. Um, I was talking mm. to Michael Ross from Guitar Player Magazine in the States. He was saying even an event like NAM these days, it's awesome to get to NAM, but it's not it's not the be all and end all of like say a new product release as it might have been a few years ago. Yeah, that's true. And I think with with the pandemic, that's sort of shifted even more, right? Yeah, because yeah. We, we can't be at NAM. Uh, a lot of the stuff that you're seeing coming out now maybe would have been released at NAM had NAM happened, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but that being said, I still really love NAM. NAM is such a fun kind of gathering of like-minded people. There's an energy and an excitement to it. So I, I really do hope that that comes back when, when it can. Yeah, sure, sure. And I guess in Australia, I guess the big event in the last few years has been the Melbourne Guitar Show. Um, we've almost had one up in Sydney a couple of times. Uh, it's been a long time between those shows, but... Down in Melbourne, it's been a big deal. You, that's been a, a big part of your focus too, you're saying, with events? Yeah, it has. Um, since I started, you know, I, every year that we've had a Melbourne Guitar Show, I've organised our stand and it's it's always cool to, to put together a, a different concept and a different layout based on what we've released or, you know, what we think people might want to try that year or what we want to showcase. Yeah, cool. Now, you know... Definitely, definitely one of the highlights of my year usually. So hopefully again, when we can, hopefully that comes back. Yeah, that's when's that? It's been like sort of August, I guess, in yes. previous years. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. First, first weekend of August usually. Yeah, I'll, fingers crossed for next year, as we've been saying for a little while. Well, what other sort of events yeah. might you run in non-COVID times? 
Um, the big, the big guitar one is uh, Melbourne Guitar Show. But you know, in the past we have done little clinics and showcases. Like probably not so much since I've come on board because I think that kind of in sport in person thing has petered off a little bit with the advent of YouTube and you know streaming yeah, and all yeah, that kind sure. of stuff. Yeah. But but one thing that I one one thing that I have done since I, I started and that I'm very proud of is the Nita Strauss um, clinics, uh, maybe a year or two yeah. ago. Yeah, when when Alice Cooper was last out. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I, I um, helped uh, put together this clinic run for Nita uh, in collaboration with uh, Ibanez. And we did a whole bunch of, of dates through Australia. And it was actually really cool to see how many people turned out, how many young people turned out to see her. Because, you know, there is, there is always the risk that, you know, people are always saying that guitar playing is an aging kind of thing. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's guitars dying is always like a big headline somewhere. Someday, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But, but it is fantastic to see players like Nita, you know, who are younger, but also kind of, paying tribute to the people who came before them and that seeing that flow onto younger players and, you know, kids and players everywhere these days. Yeah, cool. Because I guess with her, I guess your, the boss connection is uh, the GT1000, which she she brings out for those sorts of shows. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's right. Um, Nita's been a, a, a GT user for many years and... Um, Basically, you know, when she tours with Alice Cooper, sky's the limit, right? They have everything they could ever want. You can take all the backline, doesn't really matter. But when she does her own solo stuff, it's, it's you know, a, a bit more of a, a how, how do you say it? I guess when she does her own stuff, she takes GT1000 and plugs it straight into a PA and that's, that's her guitar rig. Yeah, unreal. And sounds amazing. Well, here's a funny thing, actually. This is a really surprising thing that I discovered when I was, you know, going around kind of chaperoning Nita for these clinics, is that she just uses stock presets. Oh, really? Wow. She doesn't, she doesn't tweak them. She found a bunch that she likes, yep. and those are the ones she uses for everything. Wow. So, you know, people always come up later and ask us, oh, how do we get her patches? You know, like, how, you know, what's she doing? What amp is she using? What is she tweaking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can, you know, very genuinely just say it's literally just all in the box. That's, you know, she found this one she likes and that's the one. Wow. You can have exactly that. That is cool. That is really yeah. cool. Hey, Roland and Boss have, have just launched a bunch of new guitar stuff and, again, it this is this. I think I, I sort of alluded to this, but I really like say with with Roland, you don't get all this crazy lead up for months online. We're working on something, something's coming, and you know people are freaking out. Just you wake up one morning and there's five or six really cool <laughs> things. <laughs> You're like what? Yeah. What happened? What's going on? Um, so I'm just off the top of my head, and you can probably fill in the gaps. But the uh, the new synth guitar, the GS one, dropped. Uh, the uh, Bluetooth expression pedal, a couple of new 200 models um, for synth and IR cabs, a whole bunch of really cool pedal boards. They're, they're just the things I'm, that spring to mind in the last... We have, yeah, we have been a bit months. busy, haven't we? It's great. Well, do you want to talk through some of those things? Yeah, absolutely. I think probably the, the stuff that I, I really love, the, the 200 series, as a, as a general form factor, as a line, as a concept, I really love them because... 
you know, they're, they're compact, but, but they do so much. But, but at the same time, okay, I guess let me, let me take a step back for a second. And the, the concept for the 200 series came from, you know, essentially paring down what we had in the 500 series, which is the super tweaky deep dive yeah. kind of, you can do everything you possibly want inside of a, let's say a DB 500. And that's really cool. A lot of people really love that. But like for me personally, I am a little bit more basic in my needs and wants. So I want to just, you know, turn a couple of knobs and have a great sound straight away and not spend all of my time, you know, listening and tweaking and, and playing with menus. So the 200 series form factor really works for me because it does all of the sounds, but it, it doesn't have as much option paralysis for me. It's got, you know, five knobs or whatever it is on the front. And then that's away you go and you start making music. Um, so yeah, SY200 is really exciting. Um, it's, it's an interesting one because I'm not, I guess, not natively a guitar synth kind of guy. Uh -huh. I'm a very classic rock, you know, like Van Halen slash Paul Gilbert. That's, that's the kind of music I grew up with. But, but I decided to make that video that, that you were talking about earlier because I kind of was really inspired by the potential of SY200 to inspire people to create music. And um, yeah, so I think, you know, doing that kind of big medley of sounds to kind of show what, what the, the huge versatility and, and breadth that that one pedal can cover was kind of the right right choice for me personally to try and get that message out to people. Yeah, awesome. I love that video. We should, um, if people haven't seen it, Ed is shredding over a bunch of just classic synth riffs, like rock synth riffs, um, all through this little 200 series, the SY200, which is really cool, man. I loved it. Yeah, I think, you know, that that, that was a fun one to put together because it goes from everything from, you know, Toto to, to Muse to, um, you know, dance hits like Lady Gaga yeah, and stuff like that. Great. So So that kind of really for me showcase the the sonic possibilities of sy200 and hey, I'm, I'm really happy that we put that out because you know the the precursor to sy200 obviously is sy1 the compact yep. uh, synthesizer pedal and people really really love that because it is again it's so tactile just turn the knobs yeah it's got these families you know if you want an organ sound there's a knob that says organ and 11 variations of that it's not you know i'm I, I'm too stupid for stuff like LFOs and oscillators and all of that kind of in-depth <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I wanted to say pads and then I get a pad sound, right? That, that's, that's what works for me. And I think a, a lot of people really enjoyed that for SY1, but the thing that we heard over and over and over again was, I wish I had presets. Right, yeah. Right, because you've got so many sounds, but I guess, you know, you have to change them every time. Yeah. So that, that's essentially how SY200 came about is we, we did that. We, we did what people asked for and, and we really tried to, we really tried to make sure that we retained that, that fun element to it. So there's, there's no deep menus in this, even though it has a screen and stuff, uh -huh. it is still very much all the stuff that you see on the top panel. Right. But with presets. I had way back in the yeah. day, I had the boss, um, DD20. So, that was the, the dual pedal, first of the dual pedal. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was awesome. Similar, although the 200s, like, ramp it up a million percent. Um, 
Oh, but video trend is a classic though, isn't it? It is great. That idea of what you yeah. see is what you get, and then plus you can add presets. Um, but the 200s are cool because they're a little bit smaller again. Um, and if you want to dive into MIDI, you could, um, but you don't yeah, have to. Exactly. So, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. How about the IHR 200? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually looking at the one on my desk right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, IHR200 comes from, I guess it's, once you spend enough time working for the company, it's easy to see the, the genesis of where things come from. So, you know, we've had IR loading capabilities uh, start to become more important in our products over the last couple of years, right? We've got GT1000, which was the first GT for us that loaded with IRs. Okay, yeah. And um, the two-band expander, the load box, which, uh, you know, lots of people really enjoy because it lets them crank their, their you know, vintage marshals or whatever it is without burning the house down. Yes, yeah, that looks awesome. Um, and, you know, the, and the the cab section of that is uh, impulse response based as well. Okay. So uh, it's sort of naturally led on that we could take you know all those technologies that we've been working on and put it in a form factor that allowed people who want to have a, a pedal board based amp and cab section, but at the same time still want to retain all of their effects, right? Because you guitar players collect weird and wacky effects that are very personal to them. And, and this kind of just lets people bring all of those worlds together, which I think is really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea you can just whack it at the end of your pedal pedal board and you, you're good to go direct then if that's not been a thing for you before. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, something I really, I, I really like about IR200 as well is it's got the effects loop which means that if you run all of the things that would usually come after the pedal in the effects loop, you get all of that in your headphones out. Okay, yeah. So you cool. can practice with your whole pedal board on headphones at any time, which is really cool. I just had one, one other little thing that, you know, I think maybe a lot, a lot of people haven't quite realized about IR200 yet as well, is going back to the theme of us taking different things that we've developed and then creating a new kind of product out of them. The headphones out of IR200 actually has some of the spatial kind of room ambience technology from the Wazza Air headphones. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Because that's a big deal. Yeah. People went nuts for that. Yeah, because Wazza Air has been a huge hit for us, right? It's like, okay. yeah. honestly, the best headphones practice experience I've ever had in my life. Uh-huh. And, you know, last NAM, I, I had the opportunity to be at the show and I was one of the demonstrators for the Waza Air book. Cool, That's awesome. And that was, you know, lines out the door of people just <laughs> going, wow, this sounds so, so immersive and so good. Yeah. And so we, we took part of that technology and put it into the headphones output of IR200 so that when you are practicing with your pedal board, you get much more of a room kind of experience. That's cool. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at GIT and the McNally Smith College of Music. Now, Joe and I go back a few years. We first met in 2017 through the podcast when we were talking about Joe's excellent jazz fusion album, Truth Serum, and also about Joe's career as an educator at some of those high-level institutions. 
So when Joe put together the fretboard biology course and asked me to be one of the beta testers, I was super stoked, I was really honored. And I can honestly say as a music educator, the course is beautifully paced and logically laid out. Other musicians such as Greg Koch and Brett Garsid have also endorsed the course. So please check out the links in our show notes for fretboard biology. Excited to see the GS1, the guitar synth. I had a, um, again, back in the, I'm, I'm a huge Boss fan. I don't, there's probably no one who listens to this show who hasn't owned a Boss pedal at some stage. Um, yeah. So I back in the day I had a, I think it was a GR700, the synth with the handlebar. Oh, yes. Yes. I've, I've actually got one of those. Oh, well, not here, but at the office by yeah. my desk. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> The yeah. technology's come a long way, hasn't it? I bet. I bet. Tell me about the GS1. Um, yeah, the G- again, GS1 is it's a, it's it's a heritage thing for us. It's trying to kind of take our heritage and and push it forward into the future. Because mm-hmm. essentially, you know, we were one of the first, if not the first, companies to to create guitar synthesizers. And you know, like that. To me, you're right. Talking about the old, the old. There's that iconic image of the, you know, Jimmy Page with with the big crazy synth guitar. <laughs> and, and you know, we're trying to we're trying to take that heritage and push it in a new direction. And GS one, GS one is kind of similar to to the SY one and SY two hundred concept in that we want it to be we want it to have that immediacy and that kind of fun factor to it. Mm-hmm. Right, not a lot of tweaking. Pretty straightforward. You know, we've got an app that does all the sounds, but but it is very quick and very easy to get a, a crazy synth sound out of it. And you know, you don't need a special cable. You don't. You don't even need. You know, you don't need a pedal anymore with this with this guitar, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think the idea is to try and and create a new kind of instrument, almost a new version of the guitar that just opens up more possibilities for people. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I love and, that. And what I what I like about that, I think, is you know, guitar is guitar is changing and evolving, and and obviously, guitar music as I grew up with is not really the focus of mainstream music at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. There's uh, you know, rock and grunge and metal and stuff. That's that's not what you hear on the radio. But but what you do hear on the radio is more electronic based sounds and more you know like that's the kind of thing that's where I see possibilities for something like GS One. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the Euros guitar will you know that that you'll be able to use your guitar which you already know how to play as a guitar player, but kind of enter a new genre and a new medium and maybe play in a different space. And I think it's it's pretty common actually to see you know artists who would have had completely produced in the box electronic uh, sounds on their record, but take a full band on tour because nothing beats hearing a live yeah, band. Totally. Yep. And, and so I think something like the Eurus guitar has immense possibilities to sort of sit in between both those worlds and be a guitar, but also live in, live in, you know, today's music world. It's funny. I was just watching um, uh, a Mandalorian doco and the, the composer for that, Ludwig Göransson. I don't know if you've seen this, but he's, he he pulls out this old GR three hundred. Yes, I have seen that. Really <laughs> cool. Really exciting. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I love the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. So I was especially stoked to see that guitar. That that was just 
That was worlds colliding of colliding of nerddom. Star Wars plus the guitar <laughs> tech. So. Absolutely. Hey Ed, I don't know how much you can speak into this question, so no pressure. But um, have you got any ideas of, of where guitar tech and perhaps Boss Roland might might be headed? What 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 could we see coming up? <laughs> uh, that's a, that's an interesting question, and. You know, obviously, I, I can't reveal anything on, on what we've got planned for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, but, but I will say that there's a lot of exciting stuff coming. There are some things that are on the list that I'm personally very excited about. Uh-huh. As to the general direction in which we're going, that's, that's such an interesting question. Um, I think I, I'm really kind of stoked to join the company at what seems to be a bit of a, a period of renaissance for the brand, right? Like we are, we are sort of simultaneously trying to step into the future with cool new products like SY200 and IR200. Yeah. But at the same time, still kind of respecting and building on our, our decades long heritage with things like uh, the Wazacraft pedals. Yeah. So I think that that will be the continuing theme for us is trying to, to take both of those paths forward into the future, you know, that advancing things on the cutting edge while still remembering that, you know, we have such a long heritage of things that people really like and want more of. So that's cool. I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but well, look, as much as um, I sort of expected, I know, I know that's a, it's a, it's not a fair question to say what's coming up. <laughs> uh, we know, as I said, you know, you know, Roland Boss will just drop something that's been, uh, like a little duck paddle, paddling underwater f- ferociously, um, <laughs> and then the stuff drops. I had um, I don't know if you know Matt Knight from Boss in Europe. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's cool. Well, he- all of all of the all of the Boss guys around the globe are actually pretty pretty close. Like we, you know, we've got a chat group that we talk about guitar oh, great, stuff man. all the time. Yeah, and Matt's been on your show, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. A while ago, when the um, when the MS3 came out, I, I freaked out and I eventually got one and it changed my life, Ed. And um, in fact, nice. I should let listeners know, you wrote an excellent guide to, to deep diving into the MS3 as well. Which Oh, uh, thank you. Oh, that's cool. It was definitely useful. Oh, I'm glad that you found that useful. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I got Matt on the show not long after the MS3 because um, I think yeah. he was involved in some of the promotion for that with... Um, Oh, the band, the, the name's slipping from my head, the prog rock Oh, uh, Joe Branson's band, yeah. yeah Sorry, Joe's I can't band. remember what they're They're awesome. Polymath? Polymath, Polymath, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, one thing Matt said, which was really cool, which which you, you um, suggested as well, the idea of Boss's heritage is really deep, and, and we all know that and appreciate that. But he said the, the philosophy and the Japanese philosophy is – not really to go backwards with this stuff, but to always go forward. So I guess the closest thing you guys have to a reissue would be the Wazacraft. Correct. Even then, it's not just a straight reissue like like we see in other spheres. It's, um, you know, there's always the custom circuit. There's always a little nod to that, the future. That, that's exactly right. That, that, cool that's exactly right because that's been the, the whole concept of the Wazacraft line is not to do a straight reissue, but to try and add something to it as well. Yeah, nice. And, and you know, essentially, like, how I like to think of it is, you know, it's hot-rotted versions of our own classics. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, in many ways, 
we probably had a big hand in, in jump-starting the whole, you know, boutique pedal industry because people were modding DS1s and BD2s yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think at some point we kind of went, well, we can probably do that too, actually, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> of all the people to be able to do that, it's probably us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's super cool. And it's always fun to see the speculation, you yeah, know, what could the next Wazacraft pedal be? Yes, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that whole line has been uh, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite pedals of, of ever, actually, probably, is the DC2W, the Dimension pedal. Oh, okay, yep. Right, because that's such a that's such an oddball. It's, it doesn't have any knobs on it. It's just yep. got the four buttons. <laughs> and, and the effect itself is so unusual. It's just, it's not really a chorus. It just kind of makes everything a bit bigger, makes everything feel yeah. a bit you know, a bit more spatially enhanced. And and that pedal is really kind of a testament to the whole Wazacraft engineering that when the DC2 pedal came out in the 80s, that was based on a big rack unit. Yeah, that's right. The dimension. Uh, the SDD320. And, and, you know, at the time, we had to make changes and compromises to fit it into a tiny little pedal. Yeah. But so that's why when we went back to DC2W, the Wazacraft version, now we do have the technology to put basically a big rack unit's worth of sounds into a compact pedal, and that's what we did. Unreal, man. That's cool. I had the Digital Dimension, which was, I don't know, was it the cousin of that pedal? Oh, the DC3. DC3. Yes. It had the, had the knobs, um, but yeah. it, it had a lot of that vibe, and that was my always-on yes. pedal for a long time. Oh, very cool. It was the 90s, so, yeah. I mean, I know it's not a chorus. You shouldn't call it a chorus, but it was uh, it was a different age when, when I could leave that pedal on for the whole show. But I still love that oh, sound. Man, so that was a, well, super cool. Well, you know what? I, I think that chorus is making a comeback. I'm starting to hear a lot more than, you know, like there was, there was probably an entire decade or two where everyone just turned all their chorus pedals off. Yeah. But, but I, you know, I've always loved it, so I'm glad to hear it coming back, whether yeah. that's in, you know, R&B or whatever it is. Yeah, me too, man. I'm with you. I've always got one ready to go on a gig as well, so it's good times. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, Ed, it's been so fun talking Roland and Boss stuff with you. Thank you so yeah. much for joining me on the, on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. All right, there you go, Ed Lim on the Guitar Speak podcast talking about one of my favorite topics and that is Boss and Roland Equipment. Thanks, Ed, for joining us. We'll have to have you back sometime. Thanks also to Fretboard Biology, to Joe and the team there for sponsoring another episode. Please check out the links in the show notes. All right, that's just about it from me. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to the Guitar Speak podcast. Of course, we've also got our iconic albums series running concurrently with our interviews, and you can check all of that out at guitarspeakpodcast.com or just subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you can pod. All right, my name is Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, and I'd like to leave you with some words of wisdom from the legendary Michael Schenker, shredding guitarist from UFO and MSG, who told me back in episode 150, keep on rocking.